When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's about to get real with the MTV original reality TV star OGs, John and Beth, as they chat with great guests to discuss reality TV, music, pop culture, and real world life. Pick up your phone and go to wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Getting Real with John and Beth. Turn it up. Getting Real starts now. Hey, so Beth, how you doing? I'm all right. I've just been putting together a reel and I've been going through all of these old videos and I found the videos of that day that we took over MTV Studios and we got to be VJs for a day. <laughs> Do you remember that? It had to be the year 93 or 4 because that's when we were really hot and recent from the real world. And for some reason, we got invited to New York to be VJs. They thought the real world cast members could be VJs for a day. It was so fun. I remember it was you, me and David. And I was like, so excited. And I was like, gosh, are the VJs going to be here too? <laughs> well, do you remember what the very first video you saw on MTV? I do remember the very first video. And that's when my obsession with Julian Lennon came about. It was uh, Velot. It was Velot. That was the name? Yeah, it was Velot. Yeah. Wow. I think mine had to be dire straits. <laughs> I want my MTV or something like that. But I never, ever dreamed that I was going to be on MTV, especially like for a decade. And like in the 80s, when I was growing up, it was, you know, Phil Collins. It was dire straits. It was, you know, and then came along MTV raps and all of these, you know, walk this way with run DMC. And so it was kind of crazy. It was kind of crazy that, you know, we became a face, a, a face on MTV. But today, I mean, I'm so grateful to, to be on the real world. But you know what? <laughs> I really wanted to be I really wanted to be an MTV VJ. Well, and today, today we have an MTV VJ and one of the originals, one of the the OGs. And, and now you catch her on Fox News and Fox Business. And she is so gracious to join Getting Real. Welcome, Kennedy, the Kennedy Nation here on Getting Real with John and Beth. Thanks for being here. True story. <laughs> that was excellent. That was excellent. That <laughs> very you. good tone. <laughs> Kennedy, do you remember? It will always resonate in my heart. <laughs> uh, you remember watching Beth and I on The Real World? I do. What did you think? Like, did you see the first New York Real World? I did. And, and did you think this is crazy? Yeah. It was really interesting because I got to MTV in 1992, fall of 92, when the first real world was in full swing and no one really knew how it was going to work. And I remember there was a lot of pearl clutching, like this is going to destroy society. You can't <laughs> show young people as they really are. There's going to be sex and drugs and madness. And it was it was pretty interesting. So what they didn't realize at the time is you have to pre-produce and set up those situations in order to make the show editable. And they just had cameras rolling 24 hours a day. And, you know, even though there were some great intentions, it was really, really hard to pare that thing down. And it certainly informed the way 
the show was cast and edited in the future. <laughs> so did you think there would be more than one season of such a, a concept? I figured there would be more than one season, but I didn't realize that it would turn into road rules and the challenge. And, you know, Miz would be a WWE <laughs> uh, champion. So it's the whole thing is very, very fascinating. And what's interesting is, you know, you all can relate to this. When you're at MTV, you know there's a pretty short shelf life. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're on a show or a VJ. You know at some point, like, that's going to come to an end. And for me, I felt like, well, if that happened, my world would end. And you don't realize that this whole thing is cyclical. And then, in retrospect, really resonates in people. And, and that, you know, whenever their era of MTV was as viewers that still lives within them. And that, mm. that music is still very much playing the soundtrack for the rest of their adult life. So it's super fun to reconnect with people and also younger people who are kind of, I guess, into the nineties, the way I was into sixties music when I was in high school, which, you know, was at the time classic rock, like super classic <laughs> rock, like classic hits. And I was really into it. And, and that's how younger people in their late teens and 20s are with a lot of stuff that happened in the 90s. Yeah. Who did you like in high school? Who was who was your music? I liked I liked a lot of punk rock and there were a lot of local Portland bands that I really liked. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and I did like some of the Seattle music and I loved like my younger years in high school. I loved Depeche Mode. Like, I was so into Depeche Mode and Smiths yeah. and ministry and bands like that really lived for them. And then as I got further into high school, I got super into R.E.M. and oh. NXS. And I remember going to those concerts and just being so moved by live music. And so, But obviously, the easier thing to do, the cheaper thing to do was to go and see local bands, which I did a lot. <laughs> And then when were when did you decide like oh, I've got to I've got to get a job working in music? How did that happen? That, so I worked for a music manager when I was in high school, and so he would manage local Portland bands, including the band New Shoes. Like, baby, can't wait. So he managed them, oh, and they so were cool. super cool. So I got to go with them to their shows, and uh, Valerie and John Day. They were absolutely lovely people, and they were kind of the first famous people I met. And they were always great because they taught me so many lessons about how to be gracious to your fans and how to embrace every performance like it's the most important time you'll ever be on stage. And, uh, you know, they 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 really sort of laid the groundwork for what it could be like to be to be a decent person in music in in the public eye. And then when I moved to L.A. after high school, I got a well, it wasn't really a job. It was an internship at an alternative music station. Then once I started working there, I knew I wanted to work in music. I knew I wanted to be in radio. And that turned into my job at MTV because the program director at the station got hired at MTV and then helped me get an audition and, and kind of shepherded the process and convinced Judy McGrath and others at MTV to hire me. Wow. I was, was going to ask you was not an easy thing to convince people because I was I was not the traditional lady VJ at the time. 
Right. What was the traditional VJ like? Like, what were they looking for? Like, super hot. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, Kennedy, you're and... super hot. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a different, it was a, more of a fetish <laughs> than, you know, the traditional, like, super long hair, short skirts, big boobs. Didn't really show up with that, but I had big hair. I looked yeah. like Linda from Bob's Burgers and uh, Weird Al Yankovic had a baby. Oh, no, no, It no, was no. super no. into grunge. That was me. <gasps> That's crazy. That's funny. And that's, that's, uh, that's that's not how I saw you. I mean, you're a beautiful, petite woman. I mean, at the time in the 90s, they did. They want they did want big boobs. OK, maybe you didn't have humongous boobs, but you were beautiful. Never got them. They never showed beautiful. Up. You look exactly the same. I mean, people can't see because we're on a podcast, but I mean, Kennedy looks exactly the same. You yeah. haven't aged at all. And, and the thing I beautiful. love about you, Kennedy, and remember about you is two things. It was it was your glasses, even mm-hmm. back even back then, and 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 still iconic and synonymous with you now is your glasses, and 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 your sarcasm. Even back, I actually just knowing we were going to do this today, I went and YouTube some old MTV clips of you, and your sarcasm is is still on Fox News. It's still you still <laughs> that same sarcastic, awesome person with glasses. That's really funny. Yeah, I never got LASIK. I tried. I went to a LASIK doctor in Seattle because I was working at a talk radio station there. And, you know, it was a a partnership. They were buying ads on the station. They're like, you know, you can make money by slinging commercials for this LASIK doctor, but you have to get LASIK. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a whirl. And I went in and he was like, you are not a candidate. Your pupils are too big. You will be in glasses forever. And I was like, that kind of sucks, but okay. I guess that's God's way of saying you have a trademark. Uh, Better stick with it. So I have, and uh, you know, it's like, I actually, I needed glasses in the nineties. I need them even more now. And as your eyes change, like a lot of people never need glasses. And then all of a sudden in their forties, they're like, I can't read anything. And they get reading glasses and it's like, I can read, but I can't see far away. And so now my far away glasses no longer work for reading. So I have to lift up my glasses all the time. And I just look like a crazy person when I'm reading small print. Totally off topic. And I'm sorry, but how many pair of glasses do you have? That's a great question. Right now I'm rocking four pair, but I have like, I have a huge drawer at home of all the glasses I've ever had made. But as you get older and your prescription changes, it's so much more expensive to put lenses in. Like now it's so expensive for me to put a pair of lenses and glasses. I'm like, I don't know if I want to make the investment. I don't know. Like, do I have to sell plasma? Do I have to sell a car? (laughs) We're talking to Kennedy and we're having a blast with so much more to talk to her about. We'll be right back on Getting Real with John and Beth. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, we're back with Getting Real with John and Beth, and we've got Kennedy, iconic <laughs> DJ from the 90s. I mean, this is like, I'm fanning out here right now. Kennedy, you got to interview so many amazing people in the music business. Can you tell me what it was like meeting like somebody that's like your favorite and what that was like meeting people that you loved in music? So sometimes it was great. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you have this instant connection. Oftentimes with bands that I made fun of, you know, it's like, ah, their music sucks. My <laughs> boss would always call me in and be like, please stop saying that. Like, there's a reason they're on the channel. They have fans. Like when you are bad mouthing them, you're insulting their fans. I'm like, nah, not really. Maybe their fans need to get some taste. But inevitably, it was those people I made fun of who turn out to be the nicest people. And so Give I used us to make, an example. Give us like an example. spin doctors. I used to make fun of spin doctors yeah. relentlessly. Like I was <laughs> so mean to them because I thought, especially the Little Miss Can't Be Wrong video, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen. And then I met Chris Barron, to this day, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. So did you feel bad or not really? Yeah, I felt bad. But and then it was funny because Greg Barrett, who's a comedian, he had an MTV comedy night at Largo in LA and and so I got up on stage and told some MTV stories and, and told that story about bad mouthing spin doctors and then the show I was hosting Alternative Nation sponsored their summer tour and so I had to go <laughs> on tour with spin doctors and Soul Asylum and Screaming Trees Ooh. and the Soul Asylum Screaming Trees part was great but then the spin doctors part was rough because there were a couple of people in the band who were like you really suck you say mean things about us and Chris Barron was like oh can't we all just get along and oh, oh no we should so, have cameras rolling that was another reality show see so, they yeah and and but he was <laughs> he was also a very gracious person but then yeah. so at greg barron's largo night i ended up singing two princes with the band for the audience and it was really fun oh i'd love to see video and that's a that. great that by the way that's a great karaoke song 
That's yeah. a super, super fun karaoke song. I follow him on Twitter and he seems like a great dude. He's a good yeah. follow. He's a good follow. Well, that's awesome. Do you remember? I guess Beth may have not been there the day. I don't know why, but I must have got I got to I got to VJ with you and John Norris one day. That's right. And for some reason, was it at the beach house? It was at, I was going to ask you about this. It wasn't the beach house and you may not even remember this, but for some reason they were renovating or rebuilding a set. Oh, it was, it was we, in the guy's apartment. It was at Mike's house. Yes. We called, yeah. you actually called it Mike's house. We were in a dude's apartment. Yes. And I remember <laughs> that guy, that guy was super cool and he had this great apartment in Soho yeah. and I'm looking around like, how the hell did he get this nice apartment? Cause he was like a graphic artist or something, but the guy was so, so nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we were there for a while. That's right. I knew it was not in studio. Wow. I and, can't believe um, you remember that detail. I do. Cause I did VJing for one day, but, and you were so nice to me, by the way, I had no idea what I was doing and you were just totally cool and chill. But where was, where was the normal place that you did alternative nation? Where was that? I always want to know, like, where are those places? 42nd and 10th. So that was, a place called National Video Center. I don't know if they're still in operation. It wasn't in the MTV building. They had studios at MTV for a long time, but it was at National Video. And so, and we would shoot all of our day parts there. So all the VJs had dressing rooms there. MTV News would shoot there. Yeah. The best part about that studio though, was the wardrobe room because mm. they had two giant rotating racks of clothes like they have at dry cleaners but they were filled with like awesome designer clothes. And you got and to so, wear them, but you didn't get to keep them? Well, so <laughs> one thing I actually kept, I didn't know, but it was like a $3,000 t-shirt that was from a men's sample collection from Armani. And so, and I just thought it was a cute pink t-shirt. And so I wore it one day and just wore it home like, yay, la la la. And then one day, like nine months later, I went back into the studio and I went into the wardrobe room and I was wearing that shirt and all three of the stylists, Jimmy, Cindy, and Carolee stood up, pointed at me and started screaming, that's the shirt, that's the shirt. And so they had basically gotten to a protracted legal battle oh, no. with the designer because they were like, you never sent us that shirt. And they're like, we sent it to you, you stole it. That's a proprietary item that wow. belongs in our collection. We needed that for the runway. You and, still uh, have it? No, God, no. They made <laughs> no, me they give it back. They probably out. burned it oh, and, no. and, you know, with like sage and some salt and had a witch doctor come over and <laughs> that's you know, we had a We had Eric Neese on. Of course, he's the original reality star and he did the grind and he said he was Boy, in the same studio. Yeah. You yeah, watched the grind? Beth was a huge grind fan. I did grind. I did grind with Eric Neese on the beach. We ended up, we we're doing DJ segments at the beach house that we were shooting the grind in New York. And we, we were young, live, early 20 something singletons. And so we just started making out during the VJ segment. <gasps> and my boss, Lauren, called me. She's like, that was pornographic. I don't <gasps> want to see anything like that again. And I was like, well, for the record, it was pretty great. <laughs> Super good catchers, awesome. so, so that it might is a be... soundbite that will forever live on our podcast. So you did the grind on the beach with Eric Neese. That's, I sure that's did. another sound. Yep, I sure did. We did not do any baby making, but yeah, he was a great kisser. Ooh, Eric Neese. He's a, he's one of the nicest guys. He's a good friend of Beth and I's. Beth, yeah, he's are, lovely. How you doing with this news that Kennedy just revealed that? Oh, wow. I mean, I just think that's super cool. I mean, oh my gosh. And uh, one thing that I remember when I think of you, I think of you with your feet in like 
in a pool and you're next to Dominic. Didn't you do like some VJ stuff with Dominic as oh, well? Yeah. From a, like right? a spring break thing? Yeah. Like, I don't know why. I just remember that. So yeah, I loved, I loved Dom. He was great. And I yeah. was friends with him and Scott Ian from Anthrax. And I mean, this may seem like the odd thruple, but the three of us used to go snowboarding. And I remember one time uh, we drove up to Killington, Vermont and uh, Burlington, actually, to the Burton factory. And Burton Snowboards like loaded up my Toyota 4Runner with gear. They gave us boards and clothes. I still have some of that stuff. And it with was like- Dominic? You hung with Dominic that, yeah. like that? Wow. Oh, wait. Dom Are you talking about the Irish guy who was on The Real World? Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about the Headbangers Balls <laughs> uh, correspondent. She's talking no. about- a day Yeah. Okay. So I remember Irish Dominic. Yeah. Because he and Tammy went to the beach house. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That I remember. I got Mike's yeah. house and they got the beach house. Yeah. And I, I think like after the real world, they got some kind of development deal with MTV. Like brief, yeah. what did you, yeah, it was very brief, but like as a VJ, what did you think when like the reality stars started coming in, like maybe getting a chance at like getting a contract and being a VJ? Was that kind of a little, I mean, it was cool for me because they, they had just as much experience as I did Yeah, <laughs> being a TV host, which was none. You had longevity. Um, we, we didn't last long at that. I was there for five years and then I ended up leaving when my boyfriend at the time who later became my baby daddy broke his back. And so I moved to Seattle with him and left MTV. Right. My girls didn't even know that. I told my girls that the other day because they were like, why did you leave MTV? I'm like, your dad broke his back. No, I didn't know that. That was one yeah. of my questions. I wanted to know why that ended. For crazy. Because... Yeah. I mean, it's, it was five years. Like it was five solid years. So it's like, mm -hmm. that's, that's, a long time for an MTV VJ. And uh, at the time, you know, the standard contract after you made it through the 13 week trial and I lived at the Paramount Hotel for 13 weeks was a three year deal. So I signed that before I started on air. But, you know, you had to get past that trial period and then they would re-sign you every year. So you didn't have the choice to leave. But they had the choice whether or not they were going to sign you year after year. And then you would get a letter, you know, your your agent or manager would get a letter like, we are going to exercise one more year. <laughs> and I would be like, yay, free concert tickets. <laughs> oh, my God. I know you probably went to the best concerts. The, oh, the best one ever was Woodstock 94. Like really? that was the best professional musical experience because it was just nonstop. It was it was really incredible. And that's I met Dave Navarro for the first time there. Nine Inch Nails just blew the doors off of everybody. It was it was that was like magic because everyone was in and then they tried to replicate it in Woodstock 99 and it was a garbage festival. It was right. horrible. Did you MC the Woodstock? I worked there with MTV the whole time. And so we had like side stage where we would do kind of VJ segments. And then I did an overnight piece where I went into people's tents and woke them up. And still to this day, I have people come up to me like, you woke me up and I was so mad at you. And I'm like, yeah, but how funny was the package that we did? And then I ended up trying to do a Rockford and a golf cart and the cameraman was sitting on the front of the golf cart and I was driving forward and he was shooting, his back was to the wind. So he was shooting me and I tried to do a Rockford and do a 180 in reverse, but golf carts have a notoriously bad turning radius. So 
at full golf cart speed, I ran into, I backed into an embankment and he flew off and his camera jammed into the ground and the lens telescoped into the rest of the camera. And it was like a $150,000 camera. And I felt so bad about that because I destroyed the camera. Luckily he wasn't hurt. If he was hurt, he hit it very well and he was very manly, but felt bad for a long time. And that camera guy, Christian Hoagland had like a very impressive run as a, as a, content creator and producer like he's probably still doing just phenomenal tv shows but he was great uh, i almost killed him and i feel bad about that and that was the end to our woodstock up all night package you might just be the coolest guest we've had on getting real you know talk to my girls i think they would they would. i told my 14 year old she she came out and she was making fun of something i was wearing and i was like i'll have you know i was cool in the 90s miss <laughs> and you she were. said she said, like, totally deadpan. I have seen no evidence of this. Beth, you have, you have kids. Oh Do they I think have you're a 14 year old as well, Kennedy. I'm oh, going yeah. through the same things you are right now. They don't oh think you were gosh. cool for being on MTV in the 90s? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm like, you don't understand, Julia. Like, MTV was the coolest, the we coolest network. Okay. Kennedy, we, were, we were bigger than TikTok. We're right? so huge. Like, there you don't was, even understand. There was no comparison. Like, if we had. Yeah access to this kind of social media with the reach that we had, right. like we would all be billionaires. We would all be bigger than the Kardashians. I, I have always said that the Kardashians have my money. That's, that's the problem that I'm having right now. What do you wear skims? Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, right now I'm just struggling with putting gas in the truck, you know, just, <laughs> just now, now do you see people that you went to high school with and, and, and you like, Hey, you didn't think I was cool, but look how cool I am. I'm the media queen. When I was in high school, my senior year in the senior poll, I was voted most likely to be a talk show host. So really, I don't think anyone was terribly surprised. Oh, that's awesome. Because I didn't, my personality didn't really change. Let's be mm -hmm. honest. Like I was mm -hmm. just as annoying in high school as I was on MTV. <laughs> and, you know, it's like war, same stuff, like men's pajamas and Doc Martens and big hair and I was pretty consistent and I was super into politics in high school and super into music and had a very loud best friend. And we just had a great time. But in, in Portland and in that area, you know, to, you know, to a Southerner, Portland and Seattle are close together. Mm -hmm. Was that your attire was kind of normal, right? I mean, that's kind of where the grunge and alternative thing birthed. So that was not. Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of flannel. There was a lot of flannel, a lot of beanies, a lot of Doc Martens. In fact, one of the guys from Dandy Warhols worked at the Doc Martin store on Broadway. And I used to go in and I'd be like, ah, and he was like, I have no time for you. You are a teenage urchin and I am a cool and popular musician. And then his band broke and I was like, oh my God, I used to go see you. It's like, I know you were super annoying. I know we want to ask you, we want to do one of our favorite segments a little bit later in just a minute with about music. But I want to, I want to ask you about like, I see you very often on Outnumbered. I see you on Gutfield. I mean, you're like right in the mix of that. Do you enjoy, you know, being a guest or being a host on those shows? And I mean, you're just yourself. When I watch you, I'm like, yeah, that's the same exact Kennedy personality that I hung out with like 25 years ago. Yeah, I love it. It's great. You know, there's, there's a reason that I've been at Fox for so long. It's one of the few places where you can do 
what you do. And it's very funny. I always joke that people are like, Fox tells you what to think. Fox gives you talking points. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You probably <laughs> don't watch it. You certainly don't work here. If you want to ask me what the process is like, I will tell you. But the thing that they certainly do not do, they do not give you talking points. They do not give you research. You do all of that mm. on your own. And then if you run afoul of something, you are going to get heat on social media and you'll land on Mediate. So it's <laughs> the market has a way of correcting itself. Um, mm. But it's it's so much fun to be on those shows, even when the topics are heavy, because, mm -hmm. you know, you're constantly staying on top of stories and developing stories and breaking news. But at the same time, you're sending the entire thing through. Everyone has their own personal political prism like we all have a way of filtering things and just you try and do it in a unique way so you're adding something to the conversation and you know i always try to move the conversation forward like be forward looking you know what is the next phase of this story of this crisis going to look like how are they doing it wrong how could they do it better who could do it better and and you know always trying to discuss those things and then, you know, at the same time, trying to lighten the mood and kind of mm -hmm. bring humor to it and make fun of things. Because mm -hmm. in the end, it's all pretty absurd. Right. Like there's no way if someone told you 10 years ago, this is the era that we'd be living. And you go, yeah, yeah, that tracks. That's about right. <laughs> I mean, everything, every single story every day is crazier than the one before or crazier than last year. Mm. And, you know, the question is like, does this cycle of insanity sustain itself or does the pendulum go back to some version of normalcy because everyone is going to be so exhausted. They just don't have the energy to keep this going. Let me ask you about the topic of social media. I know there's been a lot of stories out lately about trying to make social media better for teenagers. There, I guess there's been a lot of studies out and People are suing Meta right now. What's what's your view on that? Um, I think like I don't I don't trust Congress to do it. I really don't. Like I don't trust these old people, this army of zombies that we call congressmen and senators, that to understand technology and put in safeguards that will be longstanding, that won't violate free speech and you know basic rights. I don't trust them to do that. And, but I do think that these companies have a much greater social responsibility than they admit to. And all they do is they go before Congress and they go, yeah, yeah, we should really do better. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and we've talked a lot about that and we've internalized it. And, you know, thank you for bringing that. And, and then they, they don't do better. You know, they still have the same algorithms that latch on to girls and early adolescents and you know, basically fuel eating disorders and body dysmorphia and all this stuff and do such a great disservice. But, you know, the thing that really struck me as a parent, I was thinking about this the other day, it made me really sad. And, you know, I try to keep things in perspective as much as possible. But I, I thought to myself, what would my daughters be doing if they didn't have social media, if they didn't have iPhones? And it made me really sad because, you know, to me, the way I imagine their lives their lives would be very different. And that's after putting safeguards in and having conversations and, you know, trying to convince them to put their phones down. But, you know, these, I have two 
typical teenage girls. And, you know, they have to make choices for themselves. They have to be functioning independent adults. And, you know, their dad and I can't make every choice for them. But it's really sad that so many of their choices are shaped by social media. And, you know, it's very easy for people to say, well, parents should just take their phones away. It's like, yeah, maybe at some point, you know, maybe going back in time, I wouldn't given have given them phones at 12, but living in New York City, you have to be able to converse with your child. You have to figure out where they are. My daughters have both had so many lockdowns in their schools. And, you know, my older daughter, thank God she's not at that school anymore, but they had gang activity and weapons and shooting and like all this stuff. And it was like day after day. And so like, you need to be able to get a hold of your child. But, you know, the flip side of that is we've created something that we no longer can harness. And so it is up to those companies to do a much better job as stewards instead of just chasing this digital addiction. We're going to take a quick break. Getting Real with John and Beth, our special guest, Kennedy. And we're back getting real with John and Beth with our special guest, Kennedy. And we're talking about social media. My daughter is 14 and my son is 12. And I have not given my son a phone yet because I have seen what it has done to my daughter. And I just think my daughter would be completely different if I would have just held off for another two years. (laughs) So, I mean, you are right. You have to be able to communicate. Like, how do you communicate with them if you don't have a phone? It's a struggle. So I have been struggling with social media time. I don't give her any time before school or after school until I see she has all her homework done and I'll give her like an hour and she's, mom, you're only giving me 15 minutes. (laughs) She calls me all the time. Like she's so addicted. Like, give me time, give me time, give me time, give me time. Everyone's on their phone. Give me time, give me time. I'm like, talk to your friends. Mm. Oh, that's, that's the other thing that's fascinating. Like, talk to them. You look at teenagers in a room and they're all sitting there on their phones. It's like, talk to each other. You're, you're literally right next to each other. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't understand. Like, just put down your phones and you're all there together. Talk to each other. What is going on here? So, yeah, I feel some days, you know, I just feel like, uh, I mean, I'm doing such a shitty job being a parent right now. Like, why? What is the right answer here? You're not, but that's the right thing. Answer. Everyone goes through it. Like every parent is faced with that exact thing. And it's really hard because, of course, you know, in hindsight, we go, oh, I would have made so many different decisions, but you can't yeah. do that. Like our parents can't do that. And yeah. it's, I love going on Instagram to the accounts that sort of document what it was like growing up in the seventies and eighties. And your parents are like, yeah, just, you know, be home before dark. And it was like, well, we set half the woods on fire and, <laughs> you know, we stole a goat and all this stuff. And we started a biker gang. And all of that was so true. Were you a tomboy? You sound like you might've been a tomboy. Yeah, well, I have two older brothers, so I had no Uh, choice. Like I grew up in their world, but their mm. world was like the fun world. Like, yes, I loved roller skating with my next door neighbor, Chrissy, but my dad bought us all motorcycles. So I got my first motorcycle when I was five. And, and so we just used to rip around and we, we used to torture this one neighbor, this one lady at the end of our street Uh, We lived on a cul-de-sac at the very end and we used to rip up to the top of the hill and just, you know, we, we, we outside our house and then race back down, throw our bikes in the garage, run downstairs. And we would all sprawl all over the basement 
and we could hear the phone ring. And my mom would come in and be like, Lori, I don't know what you're talking about. The kids are right here. I'm looking at them. And we would just laugh and laugh. But yeah, there was a lot of like setting stuff on fire. Like I remember pyromania, which I don't endorse. I don't encourage anyone to do this, of course, obviously, blah, blah, blah. But it was a very big part of our childhood. That's awesome. Where, where, where do you like to go on vacation when you get away from New York city? Where do you like to go? I really like going to Costa Rica. Costa Rica is very fun and beautiful for me because you can do everything there. Uh, You can surf, you can fish. There are, I I went zip lining with my girls two years ago there. We had so so much fun horseback riding on the beach, like yeah. really just awesome stuff. And then uh, last year I took my girls and a wild monkey stole my bathing suit. So uh, <laughs> Costa Rica is like, I love Hawaii. I love, love, love Hawaii. And, mm-hmm. but Costa Rica is so special. And then I love going to Italy. And Italy is one of those places where you can go and have a luxurious time. You can go on a total budget and both ways will give you the greatest ex- sensory experiences. Like, it's so wonderful because, and I know there are a lot of other more obscure places in Europe that I have not journeyed to, but Italy is so much fun. So I went this year, I went to the Formula One race in Monza mm. and it was awesome. Now, do you, do people recognize you from MTV and do they recognize you from, from Fox News when you're traveling out of the country? Usually not out of the country. Usually I, I dress like a homeless boy. So I think they feel bad for me and, you know, people try and buy me a loaf of bread, which is very nice, but, and how I dress on the plane. Like I have my little plane outfit. I wear like black camo leggings, Jordans, zip up hoodie and a baseball cap because I pull it all together and keep the the light and sound out. And I sleep on planes, but inevitably I get called sir. And it's like, sir, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, yes, please help me with my bird. Yeah. I get called sir all the time. And then people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I don't care. I really, I don't care. I just want to get my seat and sleep. That's a ridiculous mistake. You are a fashion yeah. icon. Yes. Okay. Fashion icon. I'll send you a picture of what I wear on the plane and you'll be like, <laughs> look at that handsome young man. Okay. Well, maybe you have a certain plane, <laughs> plane appearance. That I could do. Be. I That's, have a plane look for sure. Oh my god. That must be so cool to have Kennedy as, as, as a mom. Do you take them to a lot of concerts? My youngest likes to go to concerts with her friends because she thinks that I'm going to embarrass her because I made the mistake of being a very enthusiastic parent when they were in gymnastics. So both my girls were competitive gymnasts for years. So I'm thinking like, here I am. I'm so excited for my girls. I'm screaming their names, but they they're like traumatized by that. And so my freshman in high school, I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to chaperone your your guys trip to a museum this week. She's like, Please do not whatever. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I only have a few more years of chaperoning. Don't take this away from me. She's like, mom, seriously, you're going to do something embarrassing and you're going to scream my name and you're going to get really excited. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. That's and probably like my, all true. I mean, that you know, that's true. Yeah, well, I'm not going to scream. I mean, like, so my oldest, her name is Pele. So her junior year, she played soccer in high school and they did really well. And she would not tell me where the games were. And she was like, no, COVID. We can't, I can't have parents at the games. I'm like, I don't believe you. And she's like, mom, you yell my name way too loud. It's so embarrassing. I'm like, oh, oh. yes. 
So Forgive she used me COVID. for showing up to your events. She it's used COVID to keep it's you from the games. And you yeah. bought it, you bought into that. You bought into that. What COVID. am I supposed to do? Like, and I was like, give me, give me your coach's number. I'm going to text your coach and find out where the game is. She's like, no, you're not. I'll quit soccer. I'm like, oh God. I have to trade so 15 minutes of social media time to get that kind of information. Yeah. I had to get this week because my daughter had a scrimmage yesterday. She didn't want me to come. I'm like, well, if you don't tell me where it is, I'm not giving you any screen time. You literally so have that's the location. your choice. Put that's your, your choice. You have the yeah. location of your child's phone, right? Put them on Live 360. They have to share the location of their phone and they're not going very far from their phone. It's like oxygen. So Kennedy, you, you are like this, this one word named person, like, you know, Mariah and Dolly and, and, you know, on and on and on Reba Garth, who else, who else is a, is a, is a one name. Sting, Elvis, share. Sting. Oh yeah. And you're right in there with this, this one name icon, everybody, you say Kennedy and you're like, oh yeah, Kennedy. Yeah. I mean, nobody thinks of Okay. They think of you. They think of you. Well, it's now it's funny because RFK Jr. is running for president. So there's all these Kennedy 2024 mm -hmm. shirts and gear around. I'm like, gosh, I got to get one of those. You need that. Yeah. You should wear that next time you're on Gutfeld. <laughs> I'm just like, this is me, you guys. I'm going to save the world. Just like my <laughs> podcast says. Wow. Now I'm a wrestling fan. How, how is, how is Tyrus? Does he like sometimes get mad on these shows and body slamming? He's never body slammed me because I mm -hmm. think that might be a quick visit for him to HR. Yeah. But he uh, he's great. He's really smart and really funny. Like, mm -hmm. I love being on Gutfeld with Tyrus because his comebacks are so quick and he has his own super funny personal way. Again, it's that prism. And, you know, it's like the light and darkness of politics and culture goes through his prism totally differently than it would mine. And that's what I love about this place is everyone's got a slightly different perspective mm -hmm. and it always surprises you. Yeah. Are you coming to Nashville for the Patriot Awards? No, I'm going to Vegas for F1. <laughs> oh, okay. You're everywhere. You're everywhere. Well, we want to know, we love, we love this segment to, to, to wrap up our podcast. We want to know who your favorite, like musical okay. artists are. Here go we ahead. go. Here we go. Well, first of all, I want to ask you if you could go to any concert right now, who would you want to go see? Um, like living or no longer living, living. Like, like somebody living, like who, who I really wish I had seen Taylor Swift eras because I'm a huge fan of her music and mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of anyone who puts on a big production. And I remember seeing Metallic probably in 1997 at MSG and was so blown away by how good the sound was and the pyrotechnics and, you know, the involvement of the songs and the audience and the choreography between the lighting. And it was, it was really stunning. And so to see musical acts like elevate that and not rest on their laurels, it's, it's pretty great. And, you know, I went and saw Portugal, the man recently, and, and they were really good. Like any band at Radio City Music Hall sounds good. And, uh, yeah, I, I wish I had seen Taylor Swift. I wish the Beastie Boys were still playing because some of my favorite concerts ever were Beastie Boys. So Adam Yauch is, is deeply missed on this planet. That, that's, nice. that's a huge variety. Beastie Boys and Taylor Swift and Metallica. So it, I'm going to ask you if you, if you had to choose, would you choose Nirvana or the Foo Fighters? Nirvana for sure. Nirvana. Okay. Nice. Missing persons or the B-52s? B-52s. I just saw them recently in Vegas. Wow. Nice. And it's not that I don't love Dale Bozio and Terry Bozio. They're, they're amazing. But 
B-52's put on a great show. This is golden right here. This is golden. Okay, uh, Gin Blossoms or Radiohead? Uh, Gin Blossoms because Tom York is a dick. (laughs) (laughs) And here is Um, Kennedy not not beating around the bush. Okay, Soundgarden or Stone Temple Pilots? Soundgarden. All right. I like that, I like STP, but but Soundgarden for me, you know, obviously Chris Cornell had the most beautiful voice, and he does an incredible acoustic version of "Nothing Compares to You." That is so haunting, and it will bring you to tears. It is so so beautiful. So yeah, Soundgarden because Matt Cameron is probably the greatest living rock drummer. He's now the drummer for Pearl Jam. And Kim Thale is such an incredible guitarist. Take her leave, Ben Shepard on bass, but pound for pound, Soundgarden for sure. Okay, Jane's Addiction or the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Jane's Addiction. And that's, I'm a, I'm a fan of the LA music scene and I like the Chili Peppers, but Jane's Addiction were a transformational band. And, you know, I, I, I think that Perry Farrell has a better voice than Anthony Kiedis. And John Frusciante has written the best Chili Pepper songs, but Dave Navarro, and and I'm sure there are people who would disagree with me because John Frusciante is such an incredible guitarist, but I would say that Dave Navarro is an even better guitarist. Okay, now I get these two confused all the time because their voice, I feel, just sounds the same. It just confuses me. Beck or Cake? I really, it's interesting. And maybe because I had a bad experience interviewing Beck, he was very scientologically vague and i found him to be annoying Mm. i like his music and i appreciate it but i really like cake nice okay tori amos or the cranberries the cranberries Mm. tori amos was uh she was cool but kind of a bullshit artist um Uh and the cranberries were sweet and genuine and i'll always have a soft spot for dolores O'Riordan. okay the rolling stones or the beatles oh the rolling stones for sure Wow. I really? never, I've never really gotten into the Beatles. I, again, I respect what they do. I love George Harrison, but I think there's a reason the Rolling Stones are still going and their new stuff is pretty great. And it's because Keith Richards signed a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. Like okay. no one who's had that many substances in their body should be that creatively productive. Or living, really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Unbelievable. Okay. What about uh, Billy Joel? Or Bruce Springsteen? Billy Joel, for sure. Bruce Springsteen is a commie. I want to go see Billy Joel at MSG so bad. Yeah. And and I know Bruce Springsteen, great songwriter, blah, blah, blah. He always sounds like he's taking a poo. And Billy Joel, is his interviews on Howard Stern are so phenomenal. And it just, Guy Benson has a soft spot for Billy Joel. And Guy Benson and I have sung Billy Joel at dueling pianos. So it will always resonate in my heart. Oh, my goodness. Oh. That was... Amazing. What about what about country music? Have you have you heard the the latest John Brennan music? Oh, I think John Brennan is a phenomenal country artist. True story. And it and really we is. lift him up and we celebrate him. Absolutely. Kennedy, I love you. I'm so thankful you came on to Getting Real. We've been so looking forward to having you. Find and follow at Kennedy Nation on Instagram, Twitter. She's amazing and just as fun as you've always been. You've been so good to us, Beth and I, as friends. I love you. Thank you for being on Getting Real with John and Beth. You guys are the best. This has been so much fun. So when you come to New York, let us have some sort of a tipple. And I would love to hang out with you guys. That would be so cool. Thank you, Kennedy. Thank you, Kennedy. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.
And until next time, keep it real. You've been listening to Getting Real with John and Beth on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Firioli. Edited by Michael DeVestia. Produced by Lindley Ehrlich. Hosted by Beth Delarchek and John Brennan. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Beth at Best Real World and follow John at johnbrennan.com. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram at Getting Real with John and Beth. Until next time, keep it real. Beth! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.